Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we catch up with yet another movie Matt has never heard of, 3,000 Years of Longing. <laughs> then we'll wrap up our Ma- Malik Marathon with his documentary on Mushroom's Voyage of Time. As always, we'll have the straight DVD and streaming picks of the week, run down your physical media releases, and wrap up the show with our Marathon Awards. So let's take a listen to see what you may be missing with 3,000 Years of Longing. You gotta draw it out. We're, the theme's still playing. We didn't, uh, there we go. There we go. Okay. You mock me. Three witches, perfectly simple and theoretically safe. I was imprisoned by Solomon precisely because I cried out my heart's desire only by granting you yours may I earn my release. Yes, well, I appreciate the symmetry, but the thing is this. I cannot for the life of me summon up one eligible wish, and you're asking me for three. Is there any life in you? Are you even alive? You know, in some cultures, absence of desire means enlightenment. Then you are a pious fool. If I'm content, why tempt fate? And you're a coward. Don't goad me. There is no human, no angel, no djinn that wouldn't grasp at the chance to fulfill their deepest longings, and I am saddled with the one who claims to want nothing at all. Alethea Bini, you are a liar. You know, I am beginning to wish we'd never met. No, don't say that! Well, that, that sounds rough. Mm-hmm. Something bad happened there. Matt, George Miller returns, director mm-hmm. of such classics as, well, the Mad Max franchise, particularly what, considered by many, one of the greatest action films of the 21st century with uh, Fury Road. That would be camp. And then, of course, let's not forget, he uh, wrote and produced Babe and directed Babe Picking the City. Mm, okay. And now Miller returns with 3,000 Years of Longing. Matt, what are your thoughts on this film? Not exactly the big actioner, maybe. And no. uh, I'm not quite even sure. Some people are, it hasn't performed well. Yeah. And people are blaming the ad campaign. Now, I'm not entirely sure how you advertise this film to begin with. Right. But let me ask you, is an adult drama about love life and the stories we tell still kind of going to bring people to the theaters? Or are we hampered by the lack of a fire-spewing guitar-playing guy on top of a big <laughs> truck? Well, I mean, every film is made better with a, a blind, uh, fire-spewing guy, guitar guy on the front of the truck. I mean, come on. Portrait of a Lady on Fire would have been better if that was if the, <laughs> the guy was in the back, you know. Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, so, but first, I guess, Chris, I will explain to our audience as best I can what this oh, yeah, film is about. about. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, Alethea is a uh, professor of mythology and folklore. She travels to Istanbul to give a, um, speech. And, um, after her speech, after getting a vision of something kind of spiritual and demonic, she comes across a, uh, bottle in a shop. She purchases the bottle, takes it back to her hotel room and starts fiddling with the top and it opens up to reveal a djinn in the form of Idris Elba, who grants her three wishes, but she doesn't want anything. So he decides to tell her three stories of his past. And remember, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. No. <laughs> I don't know if people even get that reference anymore. I don't I know hope how so. old I am. I hope so. I was going to try and drop the next line, but I couldn't remember it exactly. So I decided <laughs> to go with the. That's quite all right. So, what are your thoughts on 3,000 Years of Longing? It's the adult kind of drama 
fairy tale thing that I don't think we really see so much anymore. What'd you think? Yeah. So, I mean, I went into this, like I had seen nothing on this. I had not seen any commercials. I had not seen any um, trailers. So I was completely blind as to what this was about. I mean, I did some very cursory stuff before I went to the theater, but I wasn't quite sure what I was in for. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that it's got definitely a visual style, um, especially in the kind of flashback scenes of folklore um, with the the djinn talking um, and telling his stories that I thought was really cool. And I thought this thing is, is successful in fits and spurts. I think the kind of retelling or those kind of dropping back into especially those those you know myths that i'm not familiar with really from a cultural standpoint except maybe in the most basic of terms um i thought that was really interesting i thought those a lot of those were really interesting to watch the problem is i think the movie's pretty weak when we flash back to present time with alethea because as much as i like tilda swinton i I just didn't get any kind of chemistry from her or edris elba and it just seemed to fall a little flat for me Unfortunately and shockingly, I'm kind of in a similar boat as mm. you are. I found the history and the stories being told riveting. And the back and forth between her and Elba in the hotel room and everything mm. is really interesting as well. When they have their little kind of dance back and forth where she's convinced, you know, there's going to be some kind of monkey's paw thing with the granting of any of the wishes, right? Mm. When she finally does make her wish, which I think is an interesting one, I do feel that we run into some problems. I think, like you do, that the romance part between, I guess, spoilers, between Swinton and Elba, again, my note exactly reads, like you just said, falls a bit flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, is Miller say that they're, they're, these two are supposed to be destined to be together? Is there some cosmic connection? Is she like a reincarnation of some of his past loves? And then I start thinking about kind of, I wonder, because I think Miller leaves it a little open for interpretation in the film. And it doesn't really provide for me, I don't think, a really rock-solid, concrete resolution for the film. And I started to wonder, how much of this is fantastical? What if she just met this broken-down guy in a bar Mm -hmm. in Istanbul, and then this is the story they tell about their relationship? And he has some issues or challenges where he has to go away from time to time. Maybe he's married. Maybe he has addiction. I don't know. And he comes back into her life and they have some time together. But it's much more grounded and real Mm -hmm. than the story that's told itself. Then the it ticks up a little bit there. If I kind of go with that interpretation of what's happening. If I go with it as a straight, he's a djinn. And he, though, is desperate to be finally released from his, his bottle and go to Jin world, whatever it is where he's able to be with his own kind and stuff. But he clearly comes back to her because the, the challenges he experiences it when he's in the UK, right. Mm-hmm. Are more environmental. It's not right. like it's, it's, it's just what he's exposed to there, um, which is a, an impairment to him and, and, and hurts him in certain ways. But his love for her is true, so he comes back to visit her from time to time, I guess, to totally tell you the ending of the movie, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's... Since that is, I think, the weakest part of the film, I'm going to tell you, you should still check it out because the storytelling itself... And there's a big net meta-narrative, right, Matt, mm-hmm. about the movie, about... It's the central conceit of the film, not just the stories that the djinn tells her, but the whole film is framed around how the telling of stories. And like you said, getting into these myths and these stories of these ancient times, it's riveting. It's fascinating stuff to watch. 
And also, it looks fantastic. I mean, the visuals, whenever we go back into time like this, are arresting. I mean, we have some top-shelf stuff here. And I I really enjoyed with that, that part of it. You know, I mean, Miller tells us from the very beginning that he's weaving this fairy tale, that these actors' lives and their performances are enhanced by the stories that they tell. And I, afterwards, you walk out of the movie, movie, and you're like, yeah, heck, I think we all are. And I think it's it's top-notch storytelling and visual representations of this narrative that is slightly, I think, weakened by the core romance between our two leads, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I mean, I, you know, I think it's an interesting kind of divergence from what you're seeing in the cinema. And, you know, I'm happy that somebody like Miller got a chance to make something a little different than what he is kind of known for. You know, I can't recommend it necessarily like full throat wholeheartedly, but I think it's, you know, it's worth a shot. I mean, I think if, you know, you're looking for something a little bit different, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I mean, I think we see fewer and fewer of movies like this all the time, and it's not performing well. Though it's reviewed well. It's got a solid Rotten Tomatoes score. People who watch it, they seem to enjoy it. And it saddens me, because I feel like we're going to see less and less, right? Fewer and Mm -hmm. fewer of these films. I'm not quite sure what the appropriate (laughs) term is there. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting. I think it's a fun, engaging adult fairy tale that's at times a marvel to watch unfold and i you know not in an mcu kind of way <laughs> i don't know there's it's got a lot of like you said kind of these great little fantastic moments i think and then and then there's a sweetness when she finally releases him from her wish yeah um i think is that works out pretty well i, I think there's a lot of engaging stuff in here and it's well worth checking out and i would recommend you seeing it in the theater if you can not only because I think the I got to see this in Dolby. They were playing it in Dolby near me. Yeah. So that was good. And also, I want to support this kind of stuff. I don't want this stuff to die off and for us to be seeing either little indie darling comedies or big event tentpole movies. This is the kind of stuff that, I don't know, that's good. It's, 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 it's fun to watch, good for the adults, and is an entertaining time with the theaters. I don't know, man. Anything else to add about Idris um, and Tilda? Yeah, uh, I think I'm just, I, I think I agree with you. I think it's, overall, it's a different kind of fair. You know, it's a shame it's not doing well, although I can't really be surprised, um, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to give this a, a B-. minus. I think it's it's pretty good film. Yeah, I gave it a B myself. So, yeah, I mean, no fire spewing guitar player is fine. But still... <laughs> And he's filming Furiosa right now. I so know. he'll be back to that, Matt. Don't worry. Just in time. But this is nice. good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this. If you had a chance to see 3,000 Years of Longing currently playing in a theater near you, go check it out. And then shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt. Shall we continue the show? Yes, let's. There are some, as we say in the business, big releases coming out in 4k this upcoming tuesday i have pre-ordered them all matt Mm, okay and we're gonna break it all down but um here you go all right you are the first to find me we sought only your infinite wisdom and how did you breach the barrier with a starship this starship could it carry my wisdom beyond 
It could, yes. Then I shall make use of this starship. It will be your chariot. Excuse me. It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I said, what does God need with a starship? Jim, what are you doing? I'm asking you a question. Who is this creature? Who am I? Don't you know? Aren't you God? He has his doubts. You doubt me? I seek proof. Jim, you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. Ah, there it is. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> so all the uh, OG Star Trek movies are being released in 4K this upcoming Tuesday. And for the first time, too, you're going to be able to get them all, all the director's cuts, particularly Star Trek 2 and 6, mm-hmm. will be in 4K. And I, though it is uneven, there are parts of Star Trek Part 5 that I've always really enjoyed. So um, I think for me, the the least entertaining one for me is probably part three. Yeah. Part three is not great. Uh, mm, part three is not great, but the first one's not great either. The motion picture is pretty bad. <laughs> I think the director's cut of that film is much better. And it's probably the straightest science fiction mm-hmm. out of all of the films. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's now it is, it is hampered by the fact that it was made in the 70s. Mm. Like the costuming is just atrocious, <laughs> but the effects are fantastic, especially the, the cleaned up director's cut version. Mm-hmm. It has one of the greatest film scores, I think, of all time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to break this down a little bit. Uh, so in Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's edition, complete adventure is a limited edition box set, Matt. And it's going to have now here in the States. You're only going to get UHDs. If you buy it in Europe, it includes Blu-rays of the same content. But we don't get that here, of okay. course. And keep in mind, if you buy it in Europe, those region DVD, those region Blu-rays will be region locked, I should say. Mm-hmm. So you buy the set here. You get the director's cut in 4K. You also get the theatrical cut and the TV version in 4K as well. I think it's known as like the special longer version. And it's previously only available, I think, like on VHS in pan and scan, right? So you had they, what they did is they just did seamless branching for the theatrical cut to get mm-hmm. the uh, the longer version, and that's in UK, that's in 4K. And again, only available in 4K in this set. If you want the theatrical cut in 4K, you have to buy the set. The blue the the standalone disc is only going to be the uh, director's cut. All right. Now, there is a brand new eight-part documentary on this as well. It has new deleted scenes, new effects tests, new costume tests, new computer display graphics, and more. So this set is loaded. Bill Hunt today from the Digital Bits dropped his review of the motion picture, this set, and he says it's fantastic. The picture looks great, sound, everything. This is the way, it's the best it's ever looked. It's the way it should be watched. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm supposed to be getting all of these on Tuesday per my uh, Amazon pre-orders. So, and again, parts two and part six, director's cut in 4K as well. You can also buy a box set of all the films in one. But again, you're not going to get the theatrical or the special longer cut of the first film in 4K if you buy that box set. There's also one legacy special feature 
the um, computer mode where you can watch it and a little trivia thing comes up is not included in the 4K. Uh, that's only available in the previously released Blu-rays. So if you do have the motion picture on Blu-ray and you love that special feature, you may want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. It's not included. But it has stuff that hasn't been released, Matt, in decades. Like So it's it's a great little set. Also coming up, Minions, The Rise of Gru is coming out also in 4K. Are you a big Minions fan? Is First Run Junior all about the Minions? Not really, no. Thank God. That's good. Includes an extended scene and some outtakes and more. Happening, which is a French film by Audrey Delon that I watched about a young woman in 60s France who needs to get an abortion and it's still illegal at the Mm -hmm. time. I watched this in the theater. It is really, really good. You should check that one out, especially, you know, I guess, as I say, apropos of nothing. (laughs) Uh, Paradise Highway. A truck driver has been forced to smuggle illicit cargo to save her brother from a deadly prison gang. With the FBI operatives hot on her trail, Sally's conscience is challenged when the final package turns out to be, transporter style, a teenage girl. Oh my gosh. Now, what I love about this is that the movie stars uh, a Cameron Monaghan, also features Morgan Freeman, Juliette Binoche, and Frank Grillo. Mm-mm. And they're all on the cover, and the star of the movie, Cameron Monaghan, is not, <laughs> which I found quite interesting. Includes the director's commentary and some deleted scenes and more. Cinema Guild is putting out Anne at 13,000 feet, a volatile young woman challenged by everyday social and professional encounters. Includes an audio commentary with the director, two short films by the director, who is Kazakh Radowinski, in case you were curious, and outtakes as well. Kino, and I was trying to nail this down, Matt, and I couldn't figure it out. Kino's putting out two limited edition re-releases. I don't know if this is where their license expired and maybe they found a bunch in a warehouse or they got a short-time renewal. But two Vincent Price classics, The Oblong Box, which includes an audio commentary, and Twice Told Tales uh, also includes an audio commentary. I have not seen either of these films, and they're mm-hmm. currently available on Kino's site for like 15 bucks on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So I am a Price fan, so I'm considering picking these up. But I got to tell you, that Star Trek bill is really <laughs> going to hurt next month. <laughs> but anyway, if you missed out on these the first time, Kino is putting them back out. Kino is also putting out The Cop which is an old French uh, thriller. Bonaro is a bitter cop, Matt, working in a city he considers rotten. Brand new 4K restoration of that and a new commentary, I should say, with uh, critics Howard Berger, Steve Mitchell, and Nathaniel Thompson. Kino is also putting out He Who Must Die by director Jules Dassin, set in the Turkish-occupied Greek village after World War I, Matt. Jules Dassin's stunning He Who Must Die tells the story of the townspeople's efforts to stage their passion play an event that occurs once every seven years. Features a brand new audio commentary. Warner Archive is putting out Rachel Rachel. Rachel's a 35-year-old school teacher who has no man in her life and lives with her mother. When a man from the big city returns and asks her out, she begins to have to make decisions about her life and where she wants it to go. Universal's putting out Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Includes some deleted scenes and a gag reel. And Matt, some other UHDs. Scream Factory is putting out Toby Hooper's The Fun House which is a great little B-horror movie. I don't know if you've ever seen The Fun House where the kids break in like at night after it's closed and there's like a creature with a weird kind of Goonies looking face. And mm-hmm. So that's getting put out in UHD. I own that already. I'm blue. I, I will not be upgrading The Fun House. <laughs> Criterion's Blowout, Brian De Palma's film with Travolta and Nancy Allen is getting a UHD release. A great movie if you haven't seen Blowout. Brand new 4K restoration. Interview with De Palma and more. 
couple steel books. Best Buy is getting uh, 310 to Yuma and Halloween Kills in uh, new steel books, just in time, I guess, for the new Halloween movie. And I guess, Matt, then your straight to DVD pick of the week is going to be Kingdom of the Dinosaurs. A corporation having brought back dinosaurs has accidentally set them. What? There's a word missing there. Dinosaurs is what? A corporation having brought back. I'm just going to skip the apostrophe. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's a uh, a typo. A corporation having brought back dinosaurs accidentally sets them free during a war. An employee meets a group of survivors and takes shelter in a nuclear bunker. He ventures out in search of supplies. But little does he know, Matt, the dinosaurs have invaded the bunker and are hunting them down in the mountains. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Well, you mentioned it available on um, our our Twitter uh, page, but uh, Watcher, starring Mike Monroe, kind of a throwback to 70s paranoia thrillers, is available for your viewing pleasure on Shudder. We thought it was pretty good, and I think it's worth your time. Yeah, that's a great pick, Matt. I like that one a lot. Good times. All right. Damn it. I'm trying not to say that anymore. All right, Matt. we got to check in. Are you ready? Ready. I'm Garth Marenghi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination. You are entering my dark place. All right, so every week, Matt is going to be watching another episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. <laughs> Supposedly. I don't Supposedly. know if he actually did it. Um, yeah. This week is the second episode, probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Stephen Merchant shows up in this episode. Okay. Uh, lots of good stuff. So what are your thoughts on episode two when Liz, um, I think they referred to one point, is on her time of the month? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> lots of good stuff. Yeah, um, I have to admit, Chris, I forgot to watch it. I'm sorry. Um, Damn it! I know. Uh, I will. I will be prepared for next week. That's my standing. Garth Marenghi's Dark Places. I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot. That's. It's you know it's it's okay. It's okay. You're you're a busy guy. It even sounds to me like you're a little under the weather audience out there. So we'll cut Matt uh, some slack this week. He'll pick it back you. up for next week. I appreciate that. But it is one of the best, I think, of the season, of the whole series, just the right. second one. Which is funny, because last week I said it was one of the weakest, mm. and then I remembered what actually episode two was. And I'm like, oh no, I'm an idiot. So I edited it out of the show. Oh, okay. So that nobody would hear how dumb I was. And now I'm bringing it up now. Mm. In a go. brilliant piece of uh, hosting. Maybe I'll cut this out, too. All right. Well, now that I'm... I'm more disappointed for you. I think is what it is that you didn't get to enjoy it. So. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm disappointed for me. All right, next time. Let's keep going then, Matt. Let's spend a few minutes and I guess wrap up our big Malik marathon with. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you how many times I have called this the journey of time. Mm-hmm. And my notes constantly say journey, 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 but it's voyage, Matt. Voyage, yes. It's the void. The sound clip reads "Journey of Time" when I does it. it. Oh. Yeah, I I don't know why I'm so desperate to call it that, but there it is. But let's take a listen. Mother, where are you? Where have you gone? 
I fear. Full of trouble. A riddle to myself. Matt, we wrap up our Malik Marathon with two, I think, very different versions mm. of the voyage of time. This is Malik's telling, basically, of the creation of the universe from the mm-hmm. beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And did you, uh, let's, let's reset, Matt. Did you, were you able to watch both versions, the Kate Blanchett narrated and the Brad Pitt narrated version? Yes, I did. All right. So Blanchett's version is the, Larger film length, like it's like coming in about a, what ninety minutes, just under maybe a little over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Brad Pitt's version is eighty and eighty. It's about forty six minutes. Right. So let me ask you then. Let's focus on the Blanchett version first, if that's okay. okay with you. So, how does Malick's artistic choices you think impact the film? Does it hinder or help his telling of this story? I mean. Even using the term telling the story is, I think, a bit of a stretch. Um, mm-hmm. I I read someone said that this is like the, you know, admittedly brilliant Genesis section of the Tree of Life kind of stretched out to feature length, 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really struggle to call this a documentary because I don't know what it's trying to document. Um, you know, as you heard... Um, even when you do get Kate Blanchett narration, it's all very kind of stream of consciousness and minimalist. I think it's gorgeous at points. Um, I think there are some really interesting choices, especially some of the like grainy footage of like you know, homeless people and like third world countries and, and looks like religious sacrifices and stuff like that. I, it's uh, I'm not quite sure what Malik was going for there, but I think it is. He's definitely got a vision. I just don't know if I'm on the same wavelength to understand it in this full length version. Hmm. So, a couple technical things. I think the seamless integration of the special effects and the stuff that's clearly like CGI, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With the real life photography, the filming, um, I thought was. Seamless and stunning. I thought mm-hmm. it was really moving stuff. But I think the, the key here, and I, I, I agree with you, I wouldn't call this a documentary so much more as it's more of a dramatization, mm-hmm. I think. And Blanchett's version, which includes, as you said, those intricate scenes of different countries and different peoples from around the world, focusing kind of on their cultures, their rituals, their sacrifices, their hardships. And they're two very different films. Blanchett's movie to me feels more like a plea to humanity for answers and for help. In Blanchett's version, she's constantly speaking to mother Mm. and asks lots of questions. Mm -hmm. The Pitt version is different. And we can transition to that one where I feel his version is a letter to a child, to your child. Mm -hmm. And it's much more descriptive. Brett Pitt's versions for me, Matt, felt more like the school field trip version of Mm -hmm. this movie. Much, much 
more condensed, much more linear. What is, I mean, both films, I guess, have a linear narrative, but much more traditional mm-hmm. narrative and storytelling. Um, like you would go to the planetarium type of a thing, right? It's still visually striking, but it's it's much more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to the films, I don't like using this word, but detriment. I think it's a it's a it's a weaker film. Mm-hmm. It's still engaging and engrossing and fascinating, but I think the mission statement of what Malik's making with the Blanchett version of a wonderful, beautiful universe that's possibly in crisis. Mm-hmm. is it's a much more depressing and harrowing and moving film than the pit version which i feel again is a little more hands-off a little more distant and much more kind of traditionally educational mm. what do you think? yeah i mean i think for me um the blanchette version i think put in another way it kind of like highlights the entropy of the universe and how everything is kind of spinning out of control or kind of mm. bringing itself to its like inevitable conclusion. Right. And it's like, yeah. you know, a very Lars von Trier kind of uh, feeling right. of, of like how, it, how everything works. Right. Whereas the pit one, I think is, I think it's interesting because it's more about like, the wonder of the universe, right? So it's mm-hmm. more about like, look at all this beautiful stuff. Look at all of this like random chance that resulted in all these things and just how incredible that is. And it's like, it's like you're looking at, it's two sides of the same coin, right? So you're looking at Brad Pitt is you're looking at it from the childlike wonder of it. You're looking at the positives of it, the incredibleness of it. Whereas on Blanchette's is more like the, kind of uh ennui the kind of uh you know insignificance that you are in the universe kind of thing it almost feels like you have to watch both of these in order to fully appreciate what he's trying to get at yeah i think that's fair i think that's a good point um a couple takeaways i had from the film too fish are gross and as are bugs (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. i am not a fan of watching animals be slaughtered on film which Mm -hmm. does happen Mm -hmm. in the blanchette version just so you're aware it's in the context of I'm assuming like a religious or ceremony, something to that effect. Maybe yes, I couldn't speak for sure. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure myself. Though there is like a sport aspect to it, I think in mm. a way I'm not sure. Uh, so I did struggle with some of that. Clearly, I'm not a fan, obviously, of, of animals being harmed in any capacity, particularly on film, as well. But again, I love your idea of where you should watch both. And I'm glad we did, because like I said, they're two very different experiences for me, but both riveting stuff, and I'm really glad we watched them both. I usually shy away from documentaries. Again, I guess it's not so much a documentary, though, right? I mean, what do you interview? Time? Right. Sharks? What are you talking <laughs> right. about? Talking to, to Yahweh somewhere along the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what does he need with a starship? Right. So... Uh yeah, in the end, Matt, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna split up my grade. I'm gonna give the Blanchette version an A, mm-hmm. and the Pitt version gets a B plus for me. Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna judge them as one film and give it an A minus. I think I think you and really to appreciate this, you need to watch both. Maybe yeah. the Blanchette one first, so you can be lifted up a little bit by the Pitt one. <laughs> <laughs> that probably makes the most sense. So. In regards to uh, the voyage of time and where you can track them down, um... uh, Blanchett uh, is not available anywhere. Unfortunately, you will have to sail the high seas potentially to find it or find somebody who has it that well, you can watch it. 
Exactly. I had a. I was able to get a used Blu-ray that I was able to then make a copy for a friend right. of mine. Yeah. So I was able to watch it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then uh, the Brad Pitt version is available on movie. Yes. Yes. Which I signed up for, and then after 48 minutes, promptly canceled the subscription. <laughs> They seemed quite remorseful about it, Did too. They? I got a lot of, are you sure? Come on, are you sure? <laughs> Come on, help us out there. Be your best friend. But uh, I have too many subscriptions, so yeah. I apologize. So, But you can find Voyage of Time. It's used on eBay and some other places as well. I've been tracking down a couple of these Malik, excuse me, Malik films, too. I'm going to do the same thing, for I think, for Song song to Song and some other stuff. So, mm-hmm. This, too. There's a couple of his films, I think. I don't know. I was just waiting, I think, for Criterion to get their hands on them. Because I yeah. think... Uh, Oh, there's my phone. Mm. I think that, you know, at point, some point we should get some nice full deluxe editions of these releases. All right, kids. Let's go ahead and close up our Malik Marathon to give out some awards. All right. Let's so, do that. Um, I don't know, though, if any butts getting blown off is going to make the cut for me. Maybe it will for Matt. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! I blew my butt up! I blew my butt up! Hey down! What a fucking recruit trick you pulled! I grabbed you by the fence! You ran my old lady! You killed her! I wanted to know I died like a man! Nobody cares about your old lady, you're gonna make it out of here! Don't you bullshit me! I forgot how funny the thin red line was. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. It's a laugh riot. So, slapper. Yeah, indeed. All right, Matt. So our marathon, again, just to refresh everybody, we discussed Days of Heaven, The Thin Red Line, The New World, Night of the Cups, and Voyage of Time. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll start, Matt, with uh, Best Actor. Okay. Um, and then we can go to Best Actress, which you can announce first. But I'll start sure. with... Uh, I went back and forth on this, and I think in the end, I'm going to go with Christian Bale in uh, Night of the Cups. Okay. I think just at his technical standpoint, the fact that he wasn't giving the, given the script and mm-hmm. just dropped into these scenes and then was told to react. And uh, I just think as he's in, what, like almost every scene, and then just to be able to negotiate that and still have this riveting screen presence throughout was just fascinating to me. And I think maybe because I also, this is a film I identified the most with, it probably maybe has some influence on me with that, but I don't know. The fact that he's able to ground this movie while Malik is on his tilt-a-whirl device with the camera zooming in and out and all over all the place all the time, um, he's able to provide that linchpin that kind of keeps everything moving for me, so... I think I'm going to go with Bale. I was going back and forth between him and Ben Chaplin's character in The Thin Red Line, mm-hmm. the guy whose you know, new wife leaves him while mm-hmm. he's uh, stationed. Yeah, That one, too, that was the most like emotionally resonant character in that movie for me. 
But I guess in the end, I went with Bale. What about you? Well, I went with um, early pre-insanity Jim Caviezel um, as Private Wit in the Thin Red Line. He kind of brings this kind of quiet gravitas to the whole scenario, like this wonder of the natural world coupled with this distaste for what we're doing to it. But at the same time, you know, bringing a sympathy to these um, young men who are forced to kind of give up their lives and their bodies for, you know, something that they may not even fully agree with or understand kind of thing. And it's, uh, he brings a a kind of quiet humanity to the whole proceeding, which I think is, uh, really helps ground the film. Yeah, no, that's, I feel like that's, I don't want to say this as an insult. That's like the obvious pick. I think like that Mm -hmm. as as the film that I think is the most traditional, I think in everything we watch, that would seem to be the, consensus pick i guess yeah. is probably a better way to put it yeah hey man you know what obvious is obvious for a reason because it's usually That's right, right. <laughs> so who'd you have for actress then uh, a lot of options huh? yeah not a ton of options um so i went with i guess again the obvious pick uh, with uh Corianka kilcher in uh the new world i think she uh, by far is one of the few women who are actually given any opportunity to actually act and be a part of these scenes. And I think just by the sheer fact that she's 14 years old and when this was filmed and she holds her own, um, with these kind of actors and, and Christian Bale and, and, um, Colin Farrell, I think she does a, a magnificent job. I think she's, she's really magnetic in that film. Yeah. Uh, she's my pick as well. Though I did kind of think about Natalie Portman as Elizabeth in Night mm-hmm. of the Cups. Mm-hmm. And as well, Brooke uh, Adams in Days of Heaven mm-hmm. were my top three, basically. But I think in the end, Kilcher is really your only choice. Now, I don't know if part of it is that does Malik not have great female protagonists? Is that right. part of the issue? Maybe. Possibly. But um, in the end, I well, think she is the, the proper pick. No? Well, I mean, I guess at the very least, I mean, Days of Heaven, I don't know any of those performances are particularly great. Um, and the last movie, you know, didn't have any action in it at all. Um, and then then the last one, I mean, you're picking Nut of Cups. I mean, it's hard to, for me anyway to judge the, the, the acting performances, of, especially of people like Kate Blanchett, because... There's a voiceover during all of her acting, so. Yeah. Fair. So, I think my favorite scene Mm -hmm. out of everything that we saw, man, I don't know. It's a tough choice. Yeah. I I have written down here the locust scene in Days of Heaven. Days Mm -hmm. from Heaven. I think that seemed to be, that was the first one in the marathon that really kind of, stood out to me i was like oh my god this is Mm -hmm. i think i used this phrase earlier visually arresting Mm -hmm. and uh i just it was incredible the way he shot that whole scene as well just with the actors and the locusts and trying to tamp down in the fires and in the mud and everything it was just a a visual feast for the eyes if i'd be (laughs) as cliched as possible Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. really intricate filmmaking at the uh, midnight hour, basically right to with the flames. It's just really incredible looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of choices that you could go with. Um, you know, uh, a big contender for me was the kind of very beginning of the thin red line where um, private wit and the other private are living with the indigenous people. I thought that mm-hmm. was a really kind of nice extended scene, but for me, I think I'm going to go with um 
days of heaven where they first arrive at the wheat farm, the itinerant workers kind of arrive there for the first time. And it's, you know, golden hour light as it flows across the, the waves of, of wheat and grain. And they're all just kind of hanging out and staring off into the distance and stuff like that. And, you know, may, while it may have a bit of uh navel gazing to it, it is very much a, you know, uh, a pastoral scene, like a painting put to celluloid kind of thing. And I thought it was really the thing that really lets you know what you were in for in this marathon. Yeah, absolutely. Paint the picture, if I may. Mm -hmm. Matt, so what was your favorite film of this marathon? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with The Thin Red Line, um, just because I think it's the most, you know, it is the most traditional and it is the one that you can, it's most easy to relate to, but it's also got a lot going for it and it's, it's gorgeous. I think overall it's by far the least experimental, but most successful of the ones we watched. Yeah. I would have to agree with your reasoning that it clearly is the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Traditionally narrative construct, the traditionally constructed film of the marathon. But in the end, if you've listened to us run through this whole thing, you, I'm, you, you're going to hear me choose Night of the Cups. I really mm. think that uh, the artist in me just was like awoken by watching that film. And there is so much in there that I find rewarding, just emotionally, spiritually, artistically. And uh, it really had a profound impact on me. So in the end, uh, my favorite film for the marathon was Night of the Cups, which is a film basically that I had forgotten it even existed before we put this marathon down, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was so happy to um, discover this and I'm so glad I was able to buy a copy of it too. So I will be, I will be revisiting it again. That's for sure. So no, there you go, Matt. That is our uh, Malik Marathon wraps. Uh, that was a great run. There's two films, Matt, outstanding that the uh, director has made that I have not seen. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen either Song to Song and To the Wonder. Are you familiar with either of those? I have not seen either one of those, no. I keep threatening to do a Patreon. That would probably be a good thing to throw up on mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. If we were to do kind of a little bonus Malik Marathon stuff. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Would you pay like two bucks? a month or something to have us expand that or do something like that shoot us let us know what are your thoughts on the marathon itself did you enjoy watching along we'd love to hear from you matt man i don't know about i'm gonna put it out there i don't know about next week okay because i am traveling okay for work i know mm -hmm. we have a couple things set but i'm mm -hmm. trying to figure out when i'm gonna get to the theater and i don't know if i can well, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul is available on Peacock, same day and okay. day. So you could watch that um, somehow. Um, I am not a Peacock subscriber, but mm -hmm. okay. And then Resurrection. I don't know anything about that. Oh, good. I guess the less you know, the better, mm. from what I understand. So you should be able to walk, walk, watch that then. I'm really stuttering a lot today. Good times. Mm -hmm. So... That'll be it for next week. I know we have another marathon coming up, coming up in October, Matt, which is going to be our Werewolves Marathon just in I'm time excited. for the spooky season. Yeah. So that'll be fun. In the meantime, you can uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And uh, also, go to thefirstrun.com where you can find the report card on all of our grades and then archives of every episode we've ever put out and more. 
So head on over there. In the meantime, Matt, why don't we go ahead, take an extended break. Uh, we will see you all soon. We love you. Take care. Dumbass on you!